Savvy Mainline, the podcast. Brought to you by Stonehaven Homes, luxury single-family homes in walking distance to town and train in Berwyn in the award-winning TE School District. Visit StonehavenHomes.com. I'm Caroline O'Halloran. It's late September 2020, and Victory Gardens are blooming in Ardmore. I just feel that it is a good thing for everyone to get to know each other and grow food and have some kind of food security for the neighborhood. That's Kenty Pratt, a community garden coordinator in Ardmore. Nearly 40 victory gardens are springing up around town. And we don't mean manicured flower beds in the leafy north of town. No, these gardens grow on the south side on streets where insecurity abounds. Job insecurity, housing insecurity, food insecurity, and now, more than ever, health insecurity. Inspired by the victory gardens of the First and Second World Wars, they're purposeful, not pretty. Boosting virus-weary spirits, building community, and above all, putting healthy food on Lower Merion tables. The gardens sprout from the fertile mine of one Carolyn C. Cavaness, after consulting with her can-do congregation. Reverend Cece, as she's called, is the first woman pastor at Bethel AME Church, tucked away on Sheldon Lane in South Ardmore for 125 years. The church's bucolic tagline has become particularly fitting, the place where heaven and earth meet. Three years ago, Bethel AME turned the large, empty lot adjacent to the church into a vegetable garden. The project would help feed its flock and nourish relationships. I'm from the school of thought that if you've got a piece of land, you've got to grow something on it, Reverend Cece tells Savvy. But when COVID hit last spring, she dreamed even bigger. She partnered with two nonprofits, Trellis for Tomorrow and the Pennsylvania Horticultural Society, and Monco's Department of Health and Human Services, and began installing organic raised bed gardens in yards around town, 37 of them in three months. Among Ardmore's new victory gardens, a halfway house's once barren garden now lush with life, giving fresh air, meaningful work, and fresh food to the women who live there. Penn Valley Elementary School teacher Elaine Johnson's backyard, planted to expand her family's palates, and try a new hobby. Tanya Gardner's yard, where she tends the earth, not for herself, but to feed others. The Pennsylvania Horticultural Society provided seedlings and starters, and Chesco-based Trellis for Tomorrow provided expertise. All Trellis requires is that its community partners donate half their harvest to local food banks. No problem, said the good reverend. Bethel AME's Victory Veggies have gone to the food pantry at nearby St. Mary's Episcopal Church, to Eldernet in Bryn Mawr, to the Narberth Food Bank, to Ardmore's New Neighbors Helping Neighbors Group, and to hungry folks in Southwest and West Philly. While pantries have their place, Reverend Kavaness fears their bags aren't especially nutritious. She worries they might cause health problems for her congregants down the line. Recent studies show blacks are twice as likely as whites to die prematurely from treatable conditions like diabetes and heart disease, and three times as likely to get COVID-19. Food justice is racial justice, the Reverend says. To be able to take charge of your food source and not be reliant upon a benefit program is critical, she says. 
It's empowering and the greatest gift you can give someone, and it's being passed to the next generation. Indeed, for young and old, gardening is a socially distant, safe, outdoor stress reliever that teaches healthy eating and gardening skills that can last a lifetime. The Victory Gardens are helping to bridge South Ardmore's racial and income divides, too, Kavaness says. White folks fleeing tight spaces in Philly have been moving in, plumping up property values, but pricing out folks who'd hope to grow old in the place many families have called home for 100 years. For a community that's rapidly changing overnight, there's a sense of loss here, she says. But the verdant spaces bring hope, inspire civic pride, and draw unlikely folks together. Master gardeners awed by the church's bountiful tomatoes. Haverford and Villanova students intrigued by the garden's sustainable planting and irrigation techniques. And neighbors seeking home gardening advice. Newly minted suburbanites and long-timers alike. COVID will go one day. But the Victory Gardens of South Ardmore are here to stay, Kevin S. says. They're a game-changer, she says. In the midst of death and all that we've lost the last six months, they're visual reminders of growth and life. We need that. Bethel AME Victory Gardens of Ardmore gratefully accepts donations of money, time, planting materials, and gardening tools. Well, hello, Rosalie. You're looking swell, Rosalie. With restaurants dropping like fall leaves, no one would blame Rosalie, the long-awaited successor to Paramore at the Wayne Hotel, if she fluttered away too. Another day, another COVID casualty. But Rosalie has arrived, fashionably late perhaps, but she's here. And based on our two visits, we think she'll stay a while. To doubt Rosalie's stylish arrival is to doubt the will and skill of the local family behind her. Rosalie is Marty Grimm's 10th restaurant and his fourth on the main line. Others are White Dog Cafes and Autograph Brasserie. It's also his most personal. While Autograph celebrates his love of music and pop culture, and White Dogs are peons to pooches, Rosalie is an ode to mom, Marty's mom. Rosalie Rita Grimm's, second-generation Italian immigrant who passed from cancer when Marty was 14. Sydney Grimm's, who leads business development for her father's expanding restaurant group, Fearless Restaurants, never met her grandmother. But she and her father have brought her lovingly back to life in Wayne. Not as a mom's meatball kind of place, Sydney says, but as a refined yet homey hangout with classic rustic fare to match. Designed by Fearless Restaurant's usual conjurer, Barbara Ballone, the vibe is lively, even loud in places, like the best Italian families. Exuberant wallpapers replace Paramore's standoffish neutrals. Rolling pins, cutting boards, and lemons burst off walls. On the newly carpeted portico, the porch, sea-green woven chairs seem plucked from the Riviera. The message? Forget the pandemic out there. Come celebrate life. But why put a third place in Wayne? When he approached Grimm's about taking over the first floor of his historic hotel, owner Steve Bages was blunt. Do you want to compete with yourself or with someone else? Challenge accepted. They don't call themselves fearless for nothing. 
Rosalie's tagline is Italian soul food. To eat here is to set off on a gastronomic giro d'Italia, from Friuli at the boot's top to Sicily off its toe. I'm perpetually fascinated by the hyper-regionality of American cuisine, says executive chef Merrick Devine, who wandered the countryside while he worked in Italian kitchens. We're going to hit it all, he said. After learning Devine had come to White Dog from one of Colorado's finest restaurants, the James Beard-honored Frasca in Boulder, the Grimses asked him to create a tasting for them. Devine's tasting blew them away, so they built a restaurant around him. On Rosalie's all-day menu, Stuzzichini bites for 6 to $18, pizzas, 12 to $16, antipasti, 13 to $18, Pasta, 17 to 22, two panini at 18 or $22, and carne e pesce secondi, which are plates, 28 to $36. The standouts for us, the fig and speck pizza, the fritti pork shank snack, the pesce crudo rainbow trout, the baby octopus, the gnocchi, Rosalie makes its own pasta, fresh daily, the chicken, and the bronzino. In short, almost everything we ordered. Portions, though, are generally on the small side. Our finale was especially sweet. Moist olive oil cake with lemon curd and almond creme and espresso banana caramel salted creme fresh budino. So good. At Rosalie, you can nosh a little on pizza or a panini or apps, or you can nosh a lot. Our table of four splurged on the four-course quattro plate for $75 a person. Start the night with one of 20 signature cocktails and digestifs, many with aromatics like scented coasters and brulee finishes. Also listed, 125 mostly Italian wines, three mocktails, and assorted craft beers, and not a pedestrian Peroni in the place. Our COVID safety score, B+. Fans and high ceilings on the oversized porch had the air circulating, but on Rosalie's Saturday night debut, all the porch tables were seated Spacing was a tad closer than some might feel comfortable with. Indoor dining, though, was less in demand, and occupied seats were far uh, between, per state guidelines. Rosalie in the Wayne Hotel is open daily for lunch, weekend brunch, and dinner. Why We Sued Embattled Montgomery County Commissioner Joe Gale it wasn't personal and it wasn't partisan. But when Commissioner Joe Gale blocked Savvy's access to his social media accounts, we simply weren't going to roll over. To gather news, we need to monitor politicians' statements, wherever they make them. At issue was Gale's infamous June 1st statement, in which he called Black Lives Matter a radical left wing hate group, on letterhead bearing the official county seal and distributed via his social channels. When we read his statement on Twitter, we politely asked Gail, via tweet, to, quote, please do your homework on Black Lives Matter before posting such statements. As we reported at the time, Gail's statement caused a firestorm, protests at his home and the courthouse, and calls for his resignation in Harrisburg. Gail deleted our tweet and blocked Savvy, as he has apparently been doing with every follower who questioned or criticized his posts. So eight of us, seven of his constituents whose politics run the gamut, and Savvy, got together and filed a federal lawsuit on First Amendment grounds. 
Gail's constituents were being censored, and our news reporting was being stymied. As a group, we sought only to be unblocked from his accounts and to have our legal fees covered. In late August, Gail agreed to settle. He immediately restored our access to his social media accounts and pledged not to delete or edit comments and to pay our $600 legal bill. In Trumpian fashion, he proudly calls himself the first Pennsylvania politician to endorse Trump, Gail came out swinging. Quote, I have every right to ban, block, and delete as I see fit. However, after watching President Trump get screwed by federal courts on this very same issue, I had no doubt I, too, would be the victim of a bad ruling, he told the Pottstown Mercury. He found a silver lining in the suit, though, claiming, quote, left-wing agitators and the so-called Marxist mob who, quote, troll and dogpile his social accounts will, because of Facebook algorithms, help him get even more followers and grow his base. Regardless of where you fall politically, our gang of eight and our capable attorneys believe this is a victory for free speech. Public reaction cannot be censored, and officials are duty-bound to hear our opinions, whether they like them or not. Wayne welcomes Sugary, a sweet new spot in the old suburban building. Hard to say who's loving Sugary more, sweet-toothed kids or their nostalgic parents. Half ice cream parlor, half old-time candy store, Sugary arrives in downtown Wayne with pitch-perfect timing, because nothing eases the pain of a pandemic like a little sucralose. And Sugary serves it in spades, Philly style. At the counter... Bassett's hand-dipped ice cream, special sundaes, shakes and malts, Marone's water ice, and Hank's root beer floats. On the opposite wall, novelties and old-school sweets like wax lips, whistle pops, Necco wafers, and candy buttons. The shop's name's a classic, too, an homage to the Grateful Dead's 1971 track, Sugary. Shake it, shake it, sugary. Just don't tell Of course, there's newfangled stuff here, too, like pink plastic ice cream spoons that turn blue in the cold, gluten-free cones, tofuti dairy-free frozen goodies, and no-sugar-added Moose Tracks ice cream. Sugary's second location, the Wayne Shop, debuted to Labor Day weekend crowds as big as those at the four-year-old Sugary in Newtown Square, says Lori Bascom, who co-owns Sugary with her brother, Alan Tannenbaum. The kids that come in our store actually gasp with happiness. Bascom tells Savvy. They're used to standing in line outside or going to a big box store for candy. As kids growing up in Broomall, Bascom and Tannenbaum love visiting a similar shop, Bessie Parker's. Bringing that concept to a town like Wayne was always my dream, Bascom says. She and her husband Robert lived around the corner on Walnut Avenue as newlyweds. She hopes her new shop offers more than a sugar rush. During difficult times, she says the community's warm embrace of sugary shows, quote, there's hope for new businesses, growth, and success. Sugary is at 134 North Wayne Avenue in the lower level of the suburban building.
dapper duds head to Suburban Square. Two Center City retailers are going suburban. The gentlemen rebels behind Philly-owned Commonwealth Proper bring their sharply tailored 100% USA-made menswear to a new showroom near Free People, set to open October 1st. At a Center City mainstay for 83 years, Boyd's will open a satellite pop-up in Suburban Square a week later. After his family-owned department store was looted and vandalized in June, Boyd's owner Kent Gushner thought about leaving the city for good, but decided to stay put after talking to city officials. We can only imagine Gushner's anguish as he watched the June 1st destruction unfold in real time from his Bryn Mawr home via the store's security cameras. Refurbished and restocked, Boyd's Philadelphia reopened September 16th with a bigger selection of casual wear and plans to beef up its in-home sales, both nods to the new work-from-home normal. Gushner considered a pop-up at the King of Prussia Mall, but settled on Ardmore as a test run for a permanent location in the Burbs. He figured folks would be more comfortable in an open-air shopping center like the Square this fall. And so Boyd's new home for the holidays, from October through December, will be the old Urban Outfitters building across from Trader Joe's. No doubt suburban square owner Kimco Realty is thrilled to have a paying tenant in the vacant space. Eventually, that urban building will be demolished to make room for a 150-unit apartment building with ground-floor retail. Gushner is, well, gushing, too. We look forward to premiering our first-ever pop-up concept on the main line, he tells Savvy. His satellite store will be way smaller than the flagship on Chestnut Street, 8,400 versus 70,000 square feet. But good things come in small packages, right? Sesame off to a sizzling start in Ardmore. Arguably, Ardmore's hottest eatery doesn't call itself Five Guys, but it could. Started by five Chinese Christian church buddies who pooled their talents and tastes, Sesame has been killing it in the former lobby corner since late June. We're all foodies, says Sunny Wu, a computer engineer whose father was a chef in Hong Kong for 40 years. We all grew up exposed to some kind of food, like Korean street food, night markets in Asia, and high-end Chinese, he says. We defy description. You can't put us in a box, adds Davis Lau, a culinary school grad who took the lead on food R&D. Other partners had expertise in real estate, renovation, and restaurant operations. On the menu, munchies, led by sinfully good sesame tater tots, updated with edamame, veggies, beans, and sriracha aioli, uh, six tasty signature bowls from about 9 to $12, many made with mom's special recipe barbecue chicken and signature green sauce, or create your own bowl for $9, Jasmine or oolong cold brew small batch tea for two seventy five. It's strictly takeout for now, although you can plop down on a few outdoor tables. Sesame got off to a rocky start, though. Actually, it was a non-start. The owner spent months renovating the space and planned a mid-March opening. COVID naturally had other plans. We were bleeding money for three months, recalls Wu. The five retooled to takeout only and opened June twenty seventh. Why Sesame? Its first name was the Mixing Bowl, but during a pre-soft opening for 40 church friends, someone suggested sesame, and it stuck. 
Sesame Food and Tea is at 1531 Wynwood Road, Ardmore, and is open daily. And finally, remembering John Jump Dautrick. The main line has lost a lion. Jump Dautrick slipped away peacefully on Monday, September 21st. Taken by complications of ALS, he was but 68. A devoted family man and proud lifer at Episcopal Academy and a pendulum, Jump left his happy, helpful handprints everywhere. On TE Youth Soccer, where he coached and countless kids, on Wayne Presbyterian Church, where he was a deacon and elder, and perhaps most indelibly, on Tredifferent and Easttown Care, the Neighbors Helping Neighbors charity, where he served on the board almost since its founding and as board chair for the last five years. He had a heart bigger than life, a grief-stricken Sandy Gorman, president and founder of TNE Care, tells Savvy. Quote, he was the most genuinely kind and caring person you could ever meet. When he said you were important to him, those were not just words, she says. His Phi Kappa Sigma brother, David Tritton, says Jump was probably, quote, one of the ten nicest people on the planet who was courageous and optimistic as he battled the relentless ALS. A giver in every way, Jump was known for his surprise gifts. He'd come across a little something, maybe at a flea market, that reminded him of you, buy it, and find a time to joyfully present it to you. He once gave Sandy Gorman a wind-up Energizer bunny because he said I had so much energy. The gifts were often offbeat, but they showed he was always thinking of others as he ventured through each day, she says. T&E Care honored Dautrick at its Fall Fest gala last November, his family beaming, the packed ballroom brimming with affection for this kindest of men. Less than a year later, we lost him. Thanks for listening to Savvy Mainline, the podcast. Brought to you by Stonehaven Homes, luxury walk-to-train single-family homes in Berwyn. Visit StonehavenHomes.com. I'm Carolina O'Halloran. We'll catch you next time.